0: One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon podcast. Great episode today. We're going to talk about, you know, some ongoing struggles between the giants of this world. Maybe they're not really our big giants and how sellers sometimes get trapped in the middle. I have been uh, selling on Amazon for almost a decade. You know, I've been suspended over IP complaint before Amazon really even knew what they were doing with it. And it's come a long way. If anything, brands they know about what they can do. And so glad to bring Paul Raffleson onto the podcast. He has also been doing this for a long time and has seen some of the evolutions and seen some of the ways that he helps sellers fight back or at least know how to navigate his waters. Paul, welcome.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on this podcast. And to reconnect with your audience and talk about something other than taxes for a change. I feel like I'm getting typecasted sometimes because we did so much work on those tax laws back in the day, which we're still fighting, but it's, I'm excited. This is good stuff. It's so much has changed in the last. 11 months since I first started really, you know, making this a mission. So I'm really excited to talk about what we've been doing.
0: Well, I definitely, having seen you work for a while, when you pick like a subject or a mission, like you go all in and like, oh yeah, you are a lawyer. And so, you know, you definitely have a very discerning mind. I bet you, you could probably give arguments on both sides of every issue.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no question, you know, when it comes to the subject matter we're going to be talking about today, which is, you know, how brands sort of approach resellers on Amazon and what the legality of it is. I will absolutely give you both sides, but that doesn't change the outcome based on what we're seeing because what we're seeing has something nothing to do with the yeah. law as much okay. as it has to do with conduct.
0: We have a, you know, a wide audience. Like there's uh, some people that listen that are actually our brands. And absolutely. Um, and so brand registry, what it is, is Amazon's kind of portaled for brands to just like control or at least do things that they want to offer a service to brand because sometimes there are counterfeit stuff. I think one of the old stories was Doc Martens or maybe it's Birkenstocks. Yeah. Yeah. Where like there really was rampant counterfeits. Most of the time, if it's a US-based seller, counterfeits, they're really not counterfeiting. Maybe they're buying it through a distributor, but usually it's a legitimate product. It's rare that it actually is counterfeit. That's my opinion, because most of the sellers are actually just trying to build their own business. Yeah, I
1: think there's two sides. So that, so a great example is this Nike case, which we actually did for free for sellers where you know Nike shoes apparently are counterfeited quite a lot. Well, apparently they are in China, right? So it's like yeah. one of the most counterfeited brands, right? And so they do these every, it seems like every year to year, year and a half, they do these big sweeps of where they're going after resellers that are based in China selling legitimately fake Nike shoes. Mm -hmm. And what sometimes happens is our members of Seller Basics, the law firm clients, people we know. People we don't know get caught up in it, right? They imagine casting a wide net. Sometimes what gets caught in the net, you're looking for shrimp, but sometimes you get a few tuna, but you weren't looking for the tuna. So you want to, right? And what Nike's lawyers do in that case, they really just think it's a very quick and easy thing, which is why we don't even charge sellers when they get caught up in it because, you know, it's not the droids they're looking for, if I can use the reference, right? Right. Right. If you're going to the Nike store in an outlet mall and reselling, that's not who Nike's going after. They're going after the factories that are like literally making this stuff, right? Unauthorized, you know, real counterfeiters. So that it still happens on Amazon, but that's not the day to day of what we're seeing with our American, you know, US based <laughs> reseller community. Yeah. Most of um, most of our resellers are here in the United States because that's where their sourcing is, right?
0: Yeah. Right. Nike is like at the top of like, you know, the brands, but there's thousands of brands and Mm -hmm. many of them get resold from actual like distributors and wholesalers or whatever. Sometimes they're even one-offs. People just like, you know, they found a deal or they want to sell it used and they want to use Amazon. And these brands will claim that a product is counterfeit.
1: Yeah. They'll claim it's counterfeit. They'll claim it's trademark infringement. You know, I got my first IP complaint. I got a pair of expensive headphones as like a thank you gift for like leasing a car for like the third time in a row. And I didn't want them. And I listed them on Amazon and I got a letter from k Gates. I didn't even like know this was a thing. Like they're like, what? They have these networks of resellers that they've invested in and they don't want unauthorized people selling on Amazon. They just don't want it. It affects a couple of things, right? It affects the value of their reseller network, their authorized distributors. And of course, the reason Amazon loves resellers and the reason (laughs) uh, dealers hate them is resellers don't care about the minimum advertised pricing policy
0: yeah they break math
1: yeah i've broken they don't, they don't care that you're not allowed to have you're not, you know according to your dealer with the brand you're not supposed to sell this shoe for less than 199 or advertise the price for less than, you know they don't care but when you're a reseller and you got a good deal on it you know you bought it at tj maxx on clearance for 40 bucks or 30 bucks and you know it really really ticks them off because they're advertising the price on the internet when you publish it on amazon right
0: are you finding these brands are usually saying the product is counterfeit, or are they usually trying to like say, oh, you're using our trademark incorrectly?
1: So there's been an evolution, right? So you have a couple choices. When somebody's reselling your, the product on Amazon, the brands who own the brand and have control via the brand registry tools that Amazon gives them, they get a couple choices. They can file copyright, typically not applicable. Although, where you see copyright is if the photos on the listing, are from the brand itself. So for example, if you take a photo off of Bose's website and use it in a Bose listing, you get a copyright infringement claim. The problem is if you're just listing on that listing and you have nothing to do with the creation of it, you can still get hit with that copyright infringement claim. Amazon nails everybody. That's always a bar But most of the time you're really kind of sitting between trademark infringement, counterfeit with or without a test buy. So you can say it's counterfeit, I did a test buy or it's counterfeit, but I didn't do a test buy which is sort of a new thing we were seeing more of this year, you know, counterfeit, no test buy, counterfeit without a test buy. And we're seeing a lot more counterfeit without a test buy this year because it's a thing. Whereas in the past, you know, we'd see trademark infringement because nobody wanted to full-on accuse you of counterfeit. But counterfeit without a test buy is sort of like, there's some argument that, well, how could I really have said I fully accused you of counterfeit if I didn't do it? You know, like, I guess brands feel more comfortable there that that's the right one. So the most popular button to push is counterfeit without a test buy
0: It's the easiest and laziest
1: it is it is And and counterfeit with a test buy i've seen that a few times that's a scarier one actually because there in our discussions with amazon there you know the burden of proof is actually really high it's harder right and i probably shouldn't be saying this because brands might start doing it but it, you know you also have to prove that you did the test buy right right but counterfeit with a test buy you know raises the bar it makes it harder to overcome Counterfeit without a test buy you can show where you got the products from if you've good documentation and when I mean good documentation I do want to be clear like I can only vouch for a few places you know I can vouch for Walmart all I'm not going to say all these I'm not I, as much as I want to like I'm not I love all these as a consumer I can't say I'm comfortable with all these but Walmart Target Costco Sam's Club multi-billion dollar companies with a reputation publicly traded companies like TJ Maxx and Marshalls and Ross stores those are great documents. You know, if you're documenting well, then you're in a good position. So we always encourage our clients, members of the solid program to have great documentation. I've said, I've even said, maybe wear a GoPro camera. That way you can scan the tag with your, you know, just by looking at it with your forehead, you know, you can show it, you know, and it's like security surveillance footage, right? And you put the receipt with the data and you mark the file. And then if you have to ever go back and get the evidence, you can screen snap from the GoPro. It might be faster than having you sit there and take pictures of everything you do. And you sort of use this surveillance photo, this surveillance footage in the event of you need it, because it's got to be a complete pain. But our clients who thrive in reselling are the meticulous, organized document types, you know, like they know how to like, they have their ducks in a row, right?
0: You would take that to have at least some defensibility if they do a test buy.
1: Even if they don't do a test buy, because counterfeit without a test buy, the burden is, but yes, exactly. Even if they do a test buy, those kinds of pictures and documents help overcome the higher burden of proof. Right, But it is still, still the same, but that is the burden of proof without a test buy. Even without a test buy, you okay. still, that's what you should be doing. Even if it's counterfeit without a test buy, I still have to show Amazon they're wrong, right? We still have the obligation to show Amazon. Brand owner, excuse me, is up to something no good. And the way to do that is to have those meticulous records. So I mean, that's the minimum, right? That's the yeah. minimum.
0: Now, let's say you have the proof and they've made a counterfeit claim. What happens then? So one of the things
1: we're doing is we've declared war on the IP claim this year. You know, so this is like you said at the beginning. When I get passionate about a subject matter, I I really do take it to heart. I kind of go all in, and I went all in on IP claims. I'm still in. I'm not out yet. One of the first things I did when I was sort of asked to take over this area of our business, right? So okay, we have a business. It's called Seller Basics. You subscribe. It's a hundred bucks, and you really get unlimited IP claims on a go-forward basis, right? Like we don't charge extra. Like you know, we want to keep your account. Scores high, so you don't get the whole idea. You don't get suspended, right? Like that's mm-hmm. good for the program. So we don't want people with 50 IP claims coming to us and saying, you know, what do I do now? My score is one, and I'm, you know, and I'm about to get suspended. I got a 72 hour notice. That's a bad situation. So what we learned over time is we stop charging people for IP claim support. Then we don't get these crazy suspended accounts, which under our Seller Basics plan we do help you with suspensions at no cost. And so. What we decided is that it's, again, it's an ounce of prevention. It's a better way to run this business model of sort of quasi, it's not true insurance, helping sellers adjust the cost of account suspension assistance, which in some cases can be, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, you know, other, I've heard crazy numbers, right? I've heard crazy stories. Here, it's just, you're paying a monthly fee. And if if anything happens to your account, there's a set number of things we're going to do outside of litigation to do, to get your account back. So this is the environment we're operating in. So we're helping Tons of resellers every day. They're getting IP claims all the time. And you know what? It always bothered me that like the way they were being handled in the past just wasn't effective. Like Amazon kept saying, where's your distribution agreement? Showing that you're an authorized dealer. And I'm like, Since when do you have to be an authorized dealer on Amazon? And I would hear this. You know, in 2021, our law firm did almost a quarter million in MA deals. And I was really kind of not really that into the reseller side of the world. I was more in the private label, but I would get, you know, tidbits of like this client calling me up and saying, you know, what's going on? Amazon's just not, you know, they keep asking me for a dealer agreement. You know, what can we do? And I also happened to read a lot of Amazon documents because I had to know it for the M&As for the merger and acquisition side. So M&A, for those of you who don't know, is exits, like when you're selling your business you had to know the terms of Amazon service. If you're reading contracts that are, you know, hundred pages long, you got to know what your client's promising and what they can and can't promise. Are they promising a healthy Amazon account? So you had to know Amazon's terms. And in reading it, I really got into it. And I really noticed that, like, I would say like, why it says right here in the IP policy, or it says right here in the seller code of conduct, right? That using the Amazon brand registry tools for this purpose, for trying to sort of control distribution is a violation of the seller code of conduct and IP policy. That Amazon, it actually says, Amazon believes in the first sale doctrine, which means that anything you legally own, you have the right to sell. Amazon says that. It's actually in Amazon's terms, I believe it's in their intellectual property policy. I can follow up with a link to it, but it, no, they, no, it's they, interesting. They, they do openly state, at least they did, a the message to the brand owners. Like we believe in the first sale doctrine, any attempt to use our tools, and it's a message to brand managers, like any attempt to use our tools in contradiction with, with the first sale doctrine is a violation of our policy and seller credit conduct. That's kind of what you read out of these policies when you go through them all. So I said, well, OK, that's weird that Amazon has written this, especially because seller code of conduct was such a hot topic last year with all the review issues, right, with search, find, buy and all that stuff going on. I mean, we were all had our noses in that seller code of conduct uh, update from last year. And we were all kind of like, wow. So particularly fresh in my head. And I'm saying, okay. And then I'm hearing stories from my operations team and from other lawyers who are working and just like, cannot get it done. And I'm just like, it says right here, it's a violation of the policy. And But then Amazon keeps coming back. And it's like, where's your distribution agreement or your licensing agreement? I'm like you don't need one. And so what we're doing is we're just yep. like, Pushing the envelope. We're just saying to Amazon, going through the channels we go through. I'm the kind of person at Amazon, like, I'll get to somebody. If I can't go through the front door, I'll go through the back door. If I can't get in the back door, I'll go in the window. If I can't get in the window, I'll go down the chimney. I will find somebody at Amazon who will answer my question. You know, I've had clients suspended. We had one in Utah, it was really funny. We had clients suspended like right on the eve of their deal closing. They were selling their business. And it was imperative. We got, it was a bogus uh, copyright claim and it was imperative we got it resolved like ASAP. I called up a state senator. I said, can you please tell Amazon that one of your constituents is about to get totally put in a bad situation? I'll put it nicely. Mm -hmm. And can you please let Amazon know they need to do something about it? And within, I swear to God, within an hour, that state senator called me back and he says, "Uh, what's the merchant token of this guy? What's his merchant token? I'm like, okay, so you obviously talked to Amazon because he didn't know what a merchant token was For before I asked him to help his constituent. And then within an hour, my client emails me that he says that no, we're back online. All my IP claims are gone from these guys. I will do like people who know me when I go all in I take it very seriously. So I'm basically just going to Amazon saying, you know, please answer to this answer to the fact that policy says this, but this is what we're getting in response from the right. seller support team. Where's your licensing agreement? Where's your where's your authorized distributor agreement? Well, what, and what it- Amazon told me was profound.
0: Yeah. What would you recommend? Okay. So like someone's received this counterfeit claim and they have the documentation. Would you recommend or like, how do they let Amazon know that like this brand is abusing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes the old Jeff email actually still works. It's not (laughs) what we do. I mean, we have channels we'll go through. Like if we see the injustice, we'll go through our own channels. That Uh I don't actually recommend sellers do it themselves. Like I'm not I mean, I believe that you've been accused of counterfeiting, which is both a crime and a civil law violation, right? Like I don't think there's an answer to this that doesn't involve working with a lawyer, but we also recognize that one lawyers are expensive typically and two this happens a lot so it's not a good mix right
0: there's like brand new sellers that yeah. can, can get mixed up in this and it, maybe it's their first like few hundred dollars of sales versus like the there's a mid-tier people that are probably on the fence of like using a lawyer i, just, I mean i
1: can't give the legal so to me part of the reason i'm saying so is because i do consider it legal advice so i can't give them advice i can't tell right. them to this, okay right? but at the core of this and here's why because The actual question of whether or not you can resell is still an open legal question. We haven't solved that issue. It could still be trademark infringement. What we're saying, and the only thing we're saying is, it's not appropriate use of Amazon's tools. If you use Amazon's tools to take someone down in that context, you do risk brand registry termination, right? That is abusive conduct. But it does not mean that the brand could not then sue you for trademark infringement or certainly threaten to as this is an approach other brands take, right? Like ASICs, for example, has a law firm that will send letters to people. They will not use the Amazon brand registry tools. They will just send you scary letters and the letters will get scarier and scarier and scarier as you go and they may or may not sue you. You don't know. So our point of view is, Obviously, we stand, we support first sale more than we are against. You know, we kind of think that maybe because I've come from a retail arbitrage background, but we also recognize that this is a gray area of the law. Well, all we're saying to Amazon is that this isn't, you believe in the first sale doctrine, you said so. So when your tools are being used inappropriately, we're letting you know. So what I would say to that person who's looking is i say, you still need to talk to a lawyer, which is why we make it $99 a month for you to do it, because it's like, how much cheaper can we make it? Because this is a legal problem. Like you could get sued. You could get wrapped up in something even worse. If you get wrapped up in a lawsuit, it sucks. Like even if you're just named in a lawsuit, like it sucks. You're gonna have to hire. A lo- it's expensive to get out of one. But you've got to understand that you're still, you know, reselling as a whole is still a gray area in the law. I'm on the side of I think there should be more freedom. I can tell you I'm right. Working on something for this. I'd love to, you to check this article out. What I've done. But I think the FTC is on the other side of resellers, which is surprising to me but I get the sense that they're actually not on the side of the reseller. And because of that, legally, it's tough. You know, some of the things we do, some of the strategies we deploy. So let's say the evidence we have involves getting receipts, obviously in pictures so that we can prove that the TJ Maxx tag ties to the UPC. But then we also have to get the, maybe we have to get the brand to make some admissions. So maybe as a law firm, we go to the brand and we say dot, 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 and we try to get the brand to make some statements too about, hey, you're not, I love when the brands confess, right? Like that's a great moment when the brand says to you, you're not authorized to sell this. That's why we filed this complaint. I mean, those are the things that you can do, but again, I I can't recommend that anyone does it because it's not, it is legal in an, in an inherently legal thing. Even though I know it happens all the time, which is why we do it this way.
0: Interesting, you know this is uh, has been an issue for years. And like, tell me what you think about this. This is kind of my new take. Is there are some people that maybe uh, look down at least service providers or like you know? Oh, absolutely. They look down on resellers, or they think they're going away. And I make a counter argument that like for a lot of people, it's similar to the gig economy. As in, it's like Uh, yes, a quick, easy way for people to like make a living. And with that, that means like, is Uber gonna run out of drivers?
1: No. I've said this to the Amazon sellers, it's an Uberization concept. We are Uber, it is supplier on demand. Amazon is sending us the signal. If you can get us this stuff, This is how much money we're going to pay you, probably. And that's what a lot of these, that's what the API is really telling people, and that we're almost like the Uber drivers. And that's what actually was a defense that I used in the price gouging cases that we took to federal court, because I was like, you know, this is kind of bogus that you're going after these small sellers. We're literally getting a bat signal from Amazon saying, go get us N95 masks at the Home Depot in Arkansas, where there was no COVID in February, and send them to us. And it was really Amazon's responsibility to sort of, you know, ensure that pricing was appropriate, but typical Amazon, right? Like, you know, push the blame downward as they always do. Putting the blame on the Uber driver doesn't look, know any better.
0: They're busy protecting themselves on every single corner, like Not no familiar. legal liability anywhere.
1: Yeah, well, look, it works. It works when you're spending billions of dollars and you're the t- number one employer in every state nobody really wants to hold you accountable. It just is. And that's what I found. The antitrust committee actually found Amazon to be the most culpable price gouger during the pandemic. And I can tell you zero states investigated Amazon.
0: Oh my goodness. I hate hearing that.
1: We were the number one cited resource in their investigation, our our nonprofit merchant skills. We did so much work to bring so many stories and perspectives to their investigation.
0: I mean, Uber and like, you know, these DoorDash, they're actually not great sources of revenue people make fifteen dollars an hour at best whereas like you know you teach someone how to like you know find right. arbitrage and they can start to make fifty hundred plus an hour and right. so with that offer that ability, you're going to continue to see people coming in and a lot of the sophisticated ones, they'll either specialize specific category, or maybe they'll Mm -hmm. even uh, pivot to become another type of Amazon seller. And I probably could put myself in that category. Like I still have a, fundamentally, it's a reselling business. I do have a private label business and I have a software, but like I came in looking to scale and grow a reselling business. And so that's probably like why I still have a lot of the passion around these like small little things. Why like the first sale doctrine, like I'm never going to like fully like see a brand's perspective. I see the way that they try and maneuver and move around, change their agreements to maybe have a little bit more flexibility, but I just love what you're doing, what you're saying. It's interesting. So, and I do think
1: that there is a spectrum on the scale of like the first sale doctrine. We, this is something I developed like five years ago when I first started investigating this because my first client in this space, I think one of my first clients was a video game reseller, which I used to be. I was a video game reseller. I used to resell <laughs> DVDs back in law yeah. school. And then moved into video games. I could make so much money on just Black Friday deals because the prices of the video games would go from like 60 down to 20 bucks, right? Like you get mad or Back in the day, there used to be so much money in that, that I would just literally spend insane amounts of money, DVDs and video games on Black Friday. I mean, I, I could make so much money. What I was saying is that there is a little bit of a spectrum point to what they're trying to say. So when they try to say it's trademark infringement, okay, that the first sale doctrine doesn't apply to what they're saying is, There's certain elements of quality control that our dealers are trained to handle. There may be a warranty that we don't honor unless it comes through a dealer. And there may be some truth to that. So, for example, let's say I'm reselling Ernest Goes to Camp on DVD. The movie Ernest Goes to Camp. That's I mean, that's a bit of an oldie. Okay. Let's say I I literally, you know, I found five copies of Ernest Goes to Camp, right? I don't know why I distinctly remember Ernest going to Camp. Being like one of those DVDs like that you would impulse buy at the cash register at Walmart for like a dollar. You know what I mean? Like they would just have it in a bin full of yep. random DVDs. And let's say you pull a bunch of them out and you're going to resell that. Ernest Goes to Camp calls you up and says, you can't resell our movie because you're violating our warranty and because it's from Amazon and our quality control. And you're like, okay, but this is Ernest Goes to Camp on DVD. How many people file Ernest Goes to Camp warranty claims in the last 10 years? Probably zero right? If your DVD doesn't work, you're just going to take it back to Walmart, right? What's the quality control concern of sitting in a clearance bin? So there's a defense to that argument called it's pretextual, meaning you're saying these things because you're really just trying to control distribution. That's baloney. The flip side of that is, okay, now let's take the converse. Let's say I'm selling a highly sensitive, what is it, collagen, a supplement that, you know, if exposed to light or heat, Could really alter the form of the substance, right? And I'm an untrained seller who doesn't know anything. And I buy 10 bottles of collagen and I'm storing it in my basement in Florida, in my garage in Florida, where it gets to 200 degrees internal temperature, right? And the entire chemical makeup has changed now. Do they have an argument at that point to say maybe there is something to this quality control? Maybe. So I kind of view it as a spectrum. So I'm close nike shoes you know fleeces again how many people make nike warranty claims you know i mean and if you just take them back to the store and what i always say about the quality control a lot of times too though is i say have you ever seen a walmart clearance rack i mean i've made a living picking off the walmart clearing rack right i've done it for years i did it before there was fba have you ever looked at one i mean it looks like a hurricane went through a walmart aisle i mean you think a regular walmart aisle can look bad and i used to work for walmart corporate so i'm not knocking walmart lived in arkansas I love Walmart, great company. You can still make jokes. But you think a regular Walmart aisle looks terrible, like a hurricane went through it. Wait till you see a Walmart clearance rack. I mean, that's like 10 hurricanes went through it. So Mm -hmm. where's uh, your argument that quality control is of concern if you're going to allow Walmart to just literally like, I picked it off the floor. Or a Ross store. That's the trademark infringement argument. That's the nature of it. But when you're looking at Amazon's definition of trademark infringement, that's not what they mean. Because they don't believe it is trademark infringement. That's what their policy says. What they mean is legitimate. The name of my brand is Apple. And then somebody else is selling on a listing, Paul's Apple product. So theoretically, trademark infringement on Amazon cannot occur on
0: the same listing. Because if it's on the same listing, then it's counterfeit. I thought if trademark gets used, it actually takes the listing down more. Well, see, that's where counterfeit
1: without a test buy came in because sometimes what it was getting used so much that Amazon started like, not always. And, and i not, think the part of the problem is this because if you do think about the logic you cannot have trademark infringement on your own listing how can somebody sell my product and say it's infringing on i mean it's counterfeit yeah. if you're on my listing and you're not selling the thing that i'm selling it's probably counterfeit right like it's yeah. really not trademark infringement or it's right it's counterfeit if my brand is apple and you're selling a, a product that looks just like mine and you say it's paul's apple airpods instead of the apple airpods that's trademark infringement that would occur on a different listing so I think there's sort of a, a logic flow that you know yeah. legally you're probably not going to see trademark infringement on a listing that on the same listing because that would actually be counterfeit I'm actually counterfeiting your product yeah right. because I'm telling Amazon that I'm selling your authentic product that is pictured above but it's not it's my counterfeit version.
0: Yeah. You know, it seems like every year things, you know, evolve, change, you know, brands kind of the figure out what they can do, what they can't do. And they get a little bit smarter here and there. Where do you see this going into the future? So the good news is when I told Amazon, I first hadn't talked to Amazon about
1: this. And I said, you know, why aren't you following your own policy? As I said, their response was profound to me. We love resellers. And of course, why wouldn't they? Resellers break math. That is good for the prime members. So where I see this going is in a couple ways. On the one hand, until the law changes or is further clarified, I think we're going to see Amazon eventually, and we're starting to, because I'm hearing more and more stories from my clients, from the members of Seller Basics, that Amazon is accepting documentation more and more right, to release these intellectual property claims. So they're starting to get the message that, It's real abuse because Amazon's message to me, and I do sincerely believe in it, they really didn't see it as abuse. They didn't really see that the abuse was happening. Excuse me. They agree that it was abuse and they've confirmed that we have been successful in removing the brand registry rights of many a brand. So I'm very proud of the brands that we've gone after because we always warn them. We always say, look, buddy, retract. This ain't the way to do it. The better way to do it is another way to do it. You can figure it out on your own. Using Amazon's tools the last thing you want to do because when we have your brand registry rights on my little sash, like the predator wears those skulls, that's why we say it's like, <laughs> you know, you're not going to be happy. So we always try to get the brand fair notice. Like, this is where we're going if, if you really want to keep this up. But I think Amazon's getting smart and savvy to this. So, I, you know, my hope is that I view my relationship with Amazon almost like troubleshooting it. You know, like I'm trying to help them see the problem. But this is a real problem. And we've given them data. Showing them, hey, look, look how many times these brands have filed complaints, look how many times, here are the receipts and look how many times we've gotten either retractions or the brands have said, you know, or or Amazon themselves have retracted based on the evidence. Every time I see a seller performance, a, sorry, seller support person to respond with, where's your authorized dealer agreement? I just cringe. Like, I'm like, we're yeah. still not there yet. I well, want to stop seeing that email.
0: Obviously, it's an interesting evolution. I'm actually, I love checking in on this subject and it probably has been over a year since I've kind of seen how uh, things have evolved, but you're in the weeds. You're in the thick of it.
1: Oh, well, I've only been in it for a year. So
0: it's- maybe that's why you have a fresh perspective, but your track record of fighting for sellers has been like, you know, it's extensive. And you've seen a lot of those issues. So, how we probably want to wrap up, how people can get a hold of you and just ask questions, join you know, your group. And that's uh, Seller Basics, right? What's the website?
1: Yeah. So, sellerbasics.com is this cool program we set up where you can get sort of suspect calls, you know, you can almost call it suspension insurance. It's not sure, but like, you know, really, you can get help. You can get help when you yeah. need it at an affordable, predictable rate of $9 a month. You get Amazon account help support on demand. And legal help is even uh, part you know included. You get free consultations with the lawyers who are part of the network, Yeah, uh, which include myself. We've got FDA lawyers. We have FTC lawyers. We've got supplement lawyers. And we've got a really cool network of lawyers that you, we'll connect you with if you have an issue and you get a free consultation. And then me personally, if you want to reach me through the law firm, Paul at ecom.law, ecom.law. And if you want to talk about one, the right way to protect your brand or selling your brand, or just have any legal questions or any legal issues, and ninety dollars a month program version of this, yeah, you can feel free to reach out to us directly and talk to us. And then don't well, forget um, online merchant skill, which is the nonprofit that I volunteer my time for, and that's where we really take on. You know, we've been five years into that, into these fights, and we're still fighting. We just won a big case in Pennsylvania on sales tax, actually on income tax, I should say, where the courts have agreed no nexus. For having an Amazon warehouse. So That's a big I'd win. Like still continue.
0: That's another story. Uh, yeah. But very interesting. Well, uh, Paul, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. And uh being generous with your time. Anytime. Good, good, feel free good to stuff. have you back anytime you want. If anyone if you listen to this this episode or this podcast and like, you know, you have someone else in mind, love it when you share it. As you know, we we just want informed people. I hope everyone has a great, solid week of selling, learns things that they can start applying tomorrow. Take care, everyone. See you. One,
1: two, three.